0: Welcome to the Human Design Collective podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. Our spotlight episodes take a quick look into core design concepts and questions. If you're new to human design, these can offer insight into the foundation of the system. And if you're more experienced or have gotten lost in the details, these are reminders of what is simple and essential. Thank you for joining me, Amy Lee, and my co-host, John Cole. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Today, we are talking about a topic that all of us have in our lives, relationships. And from the perspective of human design, a relationship chart is something very specific. When we're looking at an individual chart, so if you're looking at your own chart, then part of what we're getting to see is what is your nature? What's fixed about you? And then what's open about you? What's flexible about you? But overall, that picture is showing us something about the characteristics and the themes and the energies that are part of your body and consciousness that don't change. And one of the freedoms that comes with that is that you really get to see what you can just accept and surrender to in life. Stop trying to change it. Stop trying to make it different just in relation to yourself. And then as you accept yourself, as you align with your own nature, you can find that as you move through life there's a lot less resistance. There's a lot less difficulty and things may not look the way you think you want them to, but they'll fit you in a different way. So when we look at a relationship chart, what we're actually getting to see are two individual charts coming together in a partnership and we get to see the design of that partnership. And in a similar way, that partnership design is its own entity. It's its own. It has its own nature. It has its own dynamics. And when we look at the dynamics in a relationship chart, we can see those as something we call mechanics. And the mechanics have to do with just the energy exchange and the way the themes interact with each other, the way the frequencies, the energies and the characteristics interact with each other. So one of the first things that can be really enlightening about looking at a relationship chart is to see that the relationship has its own nature and there are things about it that don't change. It's just part of the mechanics. It's part of the nature of that entity. The freedom that can come with that is to be able to recognize that there are things in the relationship that are probably never, ever going to change. And it puts us in an interesting position of needing to face facts when it comes to the mechanics. But it also gives us a freedom of being able to see that it's nobody's fault. So what I see in a lot of couples when they first get a relationship reading is they start to discover that there are a lot of things going on that are nobody's fault. It's not either person's fault that these dynamics are this way.
1: I think the thing that you're really pointing to here, which is so important is this orientation of no blame. When you start looking at these relationship or connection charts, it allows us to see the underlying mechanics of the interaction. You get to see each person for who they are, energetically in in terms of type, authority, definition, you also get to see the relationship that's created when the two people come together, as you said, and you see that there are specific ways that we hook each other up. There are ways that we connect and it's unique to that particular couple or that particular relationship. If you were to go out and have a relationship with a different person, you would have a totally different set of mechanics. Most likely you might find that you also have a very different experience of yourself in relationship than you had in the prior relationship. And you start to see things from a perspective of like, it's not necessarily a person's fault or your part or someone's bad or good, but this is the way this relationship works. It brings awareness to it, which I think can be really
0: helpful. For sure. So one of the core pieces of guidance with human design is to use your strategy and authority, use your own internal body intelligence to be able to tell if it's correct for you to be in that relationship. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy and perfect, but it means that it'll be correct for you. And you'll be able to know that through your own design, through your own personal design. But then you also get to see like what you're saying that in the nature of the relationship itself, Each one has its own set of challenges and strengths. Each one has its own sets of things to explore, things to work with, things that feel good, things that are painful. And that's true in any relationship. So like you're saying, with each different relationship we have, we can see what these different dynamics are.
1: Touched on something else that that I think is important, this idea of entering into a relationship correctly. Within the context of human design, that means following one strategy and authority as a tool to work with in terms of how you're entering into situations or you're engaging with people in this world. And for a generator, it would come through response, you know, letting something come to you rather than you going out and trying to initiate a relationship, for example, or if you're a projector, it's going to be even more specific. You're really waiting to be seen and recognized for who you are and then invited into a relationship that, in a way that you can show up as yourself, not trying to be something different than you are or having to compromise yourself right as you're going into the relationship. And it makes a lot of sense just on a very common sense, mundane level. Like if you're entering into a relationship and you're not clear on who you are or who the other person is, if you're trying to prove yourself or you're you're making a decision or going into a relationship or a marriage or bond for your family or your community or culture that may not be correct. And it's setting the tone for the entire relationship. It's a really important consideration in all of this is how are we entering into relationships and are we entering into the relationship with an awareness of self and the other as they actually are?
0: Yes. So that's a really interesting piece because I'll see people ask all the time, Especially when they're encountering a new relationship, they might want to go to an analyst or, or look up the charts online and say, oh, is this going to be a good relationship? Or what kind of design should I be looking for? And those things, you know, there are things in that kind of analysis that can give you some clues about what the dynamics in the relationship might be like but really only your own internal response or your own internal awareness about the interaction that can tell you if this relationship is right for you or not. I think the big thing that becomes a real problem in relationships is the same thing that's becomes a real problem for us as individuals and that has to do with conditioning and imitation you could say. I mean I think a lot of the issues that we Encounters individuals come from taking in a certain amount of conditioning from society or from family or from past relationships That makes us think I'm supposed to be a certain way if I can make myself Conform or imitate the model of something that I think is the best way to be Then that's how I can get through life and it's when we get into that kind of dynamic with ourselves that we lose touch with our own nature And in the same way, we live in a culture and society, no matter who you are, where you are, that has very specific ideas about what a relationship is supposed to be. And the funny thing is that in most cases, there are a very small handful of options for relationship. It's sort of like you have your lifelong partnership, you have your familial sibling-like relationships, You have your parental-type relationships. You have your co-working relationships. But if you really looked at the models that we set up in society, there are a very small handful of variations there. And then for each one of those, we have this idea of what the ideal is. And some of those factors really interfere with us being able to see the relationship for the unique thing that it is and appreciate it for what it is. I think one of the big ones is the idea that if a relationship is good, whether that's a work relationship, a friendship, or a partnership or a marriage, if the relationship is good, it means that you want to be together a lot of the time and it lasts forever. You have close contact (laughs) till death, (laughs) you know, and so there's this sense of uh, failure that a lot of people feel if they have challenges in the relationship or if there's certain things they don't have access to in a particular relationship, or if you get to a point when both people, if you're really being honest, you can tell this relationship's done for now in this form. There's a sense of timing, I think, that can go with relationships that we don't acknowledge or recognize because we have this idea that it's supposed to be a certain way for a certain amount of time, and the longer, the better, and the more intense, the better, And the more we're happy and light all the time, the better. And these are all judgments that I think really interfere with being able to appreciate the relationship for what it is and let it live as its own unique thing.
1: Yeah, I think what you're pointing to is this tendency for the mind to grab on and hold on and try to direct the life. In other words, we end up following these mental narratives, these mental scripts that society hands us or our family hands us and then we try to adhere to them and we say well this is the way it works it must be like this and that's often very different than what our natural response to something might be or where our energy naturally wants to go and it it may put us in a position where we're trying to live in a way that's just not either healthy for us or it's not who we are it's not actually what we're here to do and we keep overriding our natural way of relating or going into things. And it ends up being kind of a I don't know, almost like a counterfeit. We talk about the not-self in human design. And and then you mentioned this question of timing. If you want to look at it in terms of like the lifetime, a lot of us don't even know who we are and what we're here to do until we get through the Saturn return, which mm-hmm. often comes up at around 29, 30, somewhere in that range, we start kind of getting a sense of it if, if we're living as ourselves. So we have at least the potential for that at that time. But we're making all these decisions based on these other scripts or narratives at a earlier age, often in our early to mid 20s or late 20s, when we're still working it out we're still trying to figure out what we're about what our life is and then we're making these promises as as you said or these commitments or establishing these bonds indefinitely and then when then somehow we're surprised when it doesn't quite work out like we thought All you have to do is go out there and look at, you know, some of the statistics around relationships and marriage and divorce. And you see like, wow, this is a big issue in our society, but we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes. And, you know, going back to the actual connection chart and the mechanics of it, you're going to see as much variety in a connection chart and across two individuals as you have individuals on this planet almost. Mm -hmm. And yet we only have a handful of these templates that we're all trying to adhere to or force ourselves into.
0: Yes, I think it sets a lot of us up for a lot of disappointment and failure because there's so much pressure and there's so much expectation. And like you said, there's so much of an idea we carry in our heads about what a relationship is supposed to be and how it's supposed to feel. But I think the truth is that you don't actually know what a particular partnership dynamic is or how it's going to feel until you encounter it. If we could approach it that way with a sense of curiosity, we could actually give the relationship a chance to live as itself in the same way that when we bring children into the world, if we didn't immediately impose upon them a whole set of expectations about what they're supposed to be, we'd actually have the opportunity to be curious and discover who they are as a unique being. So I think we had when, Mark Germain was with us. He was saying, expectations are the devil. And I liked that phrase because I think it's really true. It's a really sad thing I can see in a lot of relationships where both people are really, really suffering. They're really actually in a lot of pain. And there actually is a lot of love and respect underneath it all. But they just don't know how to deal with the mechanics. And they don't quite know how to face the truth of it together. In some ways, I think when you get to a point where you face the truth, you might both realize this is over. This In this form, at least, this form isn't working for us. And then there's a chance to either discover, well, what is our correct form and structure? What is the correct amount of time for us to be spending together? What kind of things can we do together? What kind of things do we enjoy together? What things should we avoid with each other? But if you never let go of whatever you're, expectation is of what you think that ideal relationship is supposed to be you never get the chance to see who that other person really is and find out what can this dynamic be and so if we can let go of those expectations and that's why it's a it's a huge deconditioning for us because it's it's a huge process just to allow ourselves that as individuals but then to be able to extend that to another person and not sacrifice ourselves in the process. It's a real journey. And I can understand why a lot of people will say that deep intimate relationship is a real path of exploration and growth if you go after it openly and and with honesty, and it's quite an adventure
1: yeah i would say for most people i think relationships tend to bring in the greatest challenges and opportunities for growth and awareness especially for people who have a a design that are really relationship oriented either like split definitions or projectors but i would say everyone to to varying degrees
0: yes when you start to look at your own design and you look at the design of another person it's a chance to just see what you have in common What you can relate to in each other and to recognize that there are going to be in most cases a lot of differences and also i just want to like put a context around this because i think it's important to see that we are all swimming in an ocean of a lot of mutation right now we're in a context where the nature of institutions and relationships and bonds is really changing so for any of us if we're struggling with this or if we have been for a while I think it's important to recognize it's not just you. It's not just us. It's not just my marriage. It's not just this relationship. We're actually all kind of in this time where we're having to figure a lot of things out from scratch. And the things that we used to be able to just rely on and count on are are changing. So it requires a lot more seeing and creativity. Even just to come into it with your partner, if you're going to look at your designs together to see if you can have that attitude about it. It's like we're all in the storm together, you know what I mean? Nobody's trying to make it harder for anybody else, I don't think. But I think it can be hard for us to realize it's just, this is not just my personal problem or this is not just my partnership that's having a problem. It's We're swimming in a sea of a storm and we're all just trying to find our way. So I think that's a good first attitude to have.
1: That is a really good point. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, that it's rarely a question of love or care for the other person just entering into it from that place. It's like, we all have our issues. We all have our work to do a certain amount of conditioning that just needs to be processed and worked through. But I would think it's pretty rare, even in some of the most contentious relationships to really think that the other person simply doesn't like you because of the way that they're behaving or their tone of their voice. It's usually not that there's something else going on. There's a pattern there. And if you can really get down deeper into the relationship and what each person wants, I think we'll see that people just want to be loved, to be accepted and to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is a great place to start is to be able to both accept yourself as you are. And then the other, as they are and enter into the relationship with that orientation or that point of view, holding it that way that doesn't happen as, you know, as much as we might think it's, Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty rare. And as you said too, or you're quoting Mark, you know, expectations of the devil. And that's a big piece of it. We go into it with certain assumptions or expectations about who the other is or who we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And looking at, you know, something like the body graph or using a system like human design that can show us pretty clearly how a person is designed to function in this world and what their gifts are, what their, their traits are and What they're not can be a huge eye-opener, a point of realization that can be really helpful in bringing more awareness to those dynamics. And that's where we do start to get into some of these more specific mechanics in a chart, which there's quite a bit of detail in a relationship chart.
0: Yeah, I think addressing that attitude piece is a really great place to start because then when you go into it, you're not going into it right away with either the idea that there are all these problems we have to fix, Or going into it with the idea that I want to know if you're early in a relationship, sometimes people are looking at a relationship chart, wanting to know, well, let me see what this relationship chart says so I can figure out how to set my expectations. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like to throw both of those out the window and just come into it with, let me just be open and see what I'm dealing with here. Let me just see myself for who I am and see what I'm dealing with in this other person
1: it's such a different way of going through life though. One of the interesting questions that comes up from time to time, or I've encountered it from time to time, both online and and social media or talking with friends about it is shouldn't there be a, a human design dating app or something? Shouldn't there be a way of matching people perfectly on their characteristics or their designs? It's understandable that that will, you know, let's build an app for that too. You know, it's like, that's kind of the world we live in, but, A lot of that is just the mind trying to figure it out ahead of time instead of doing what you're saying and actually entering into it from this state of openness to see what it could be and following one's strategy and authority as a way of taking you into a relationship. The mind then comes in and says, well, let me go and figure out what the safest thing or the most comfortable thing or the thing, how I'm going to get what I want. And can this person give me what I want? And some of that can see in in the body graph, like we've been talking about. But it becomes to be more of a mental exercise than really trusting in life, trusting in one's strategy and authority, and in a way, surrendering, surrendering to the life that you're here to have. You're gonna get what you get. And that's a really hard thing for the mind to let go of, I think.
0: Yes, for all of us. Yeah. So as we start to step into looking at the specifics I think we could invite ourselves to just go in with it with the attitude that nobody's wrong. There's nothing wrong with anyone. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with any individual and there's nothing wrong with any relationship. That's actually one of the things I love about human design is that the design is perfect as it is. Every design is perfect as it is. Every person has their specific place and function given what their nature is. Similarly, I think every relationship has its specific place and function, even if that function might end up being to not exist, (laughs) but there's a place and function for every relationship as well. So nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with us. Let's just look and see what's here. One of the first things I think when you're looking at a relationship is just to recognize the basic elements of the design and see where you have commonalities, where you have differences. You can look on a really simple level from type to type. So if your partner or the person you're dealing with is of the same type as you are, and you know a little bit of something about that, then that can be a place where there's a certain amount of natural resonance or there's a certain amount of natural understanding. If there are differences in type, I think that can be one of the first really valuable places where you can learn about what are the differences if you know something about your own type, if you know that you're a projector and you're in relationship with a generator, then take a look and see what it, what is that about? What is being a generator about? And you'll start to see this is a different creature. This, this creature has a different energetic function than I do. What is natural to their body and their energy maybe has a different, just core basic dynamic. So that's, I think one of the first places you can start the second place We could look at is emotionality which is one of the biggest themes uh, in looking at design so you can just notice if you have if you're emotional if you have the solar plexus the emotional center defined then you have emotional authority and that's one of the first things you can notice is does your partner have emotional authority as well or do they not and if you dive into what it means to be emotional and we can link lots of resources to that for for anybody who's listening, then that can give you a lot of awareness about your differences or your similarities in terms of emotionality, which tends to be a big part of romantic relationships, especially. And then if you take it a step further, you can also look at the centers. So a really simple example would be to just look at where do you both have centers in common, Do you both have the sacral center defined? Do you both have the throat defined? And those places where you both have a center defined, those can be areas where you can go to be able to work things out or understand each other or find some common ground.
1: Yeah, that's a really helpful, simple tool is this the idea of having the shared centers. And then as you mentioned, the type to type or type differences, just starting there what do we have in common? What are our differences? Can we come together in in certain ways? And are we just fundamentally different in other ways? And it's a question, again, of acceptance. One of the other interesting elements is we can look at profile resonance. Like, for example, are you sharing the same profile with, with the other? Or is that profile in harmony with the other? Like, For example, a one, three profile harmonizes with the four, six, the one and the four and the three and the six, or you could have two, four, six profiles and there would be just this natural sense of resonance in terms of the style or way of moving through the world way of, I would say kind of like the the natural way of interacting or uh, orienting towards life as a whole or is, that, is it fundamentally different again? There's the relationship themes that Ra talked about, which were kind of like little rhymes. This is where when you put the two charts together, you have a certain number of centers defined in the connection chart or the partnership chart. And each configuration has a certain theme. You know, for example, nine and O, Nowhere to go, eight and one, have some fun, seven and two, work to do. They're just kind of fun mnemonics, I guess, that give you a sense of what that theme is about. But the basic idea there is that the open centers in the connection chart tend to be areas where the individuals in the relationship can go outside of the relationship. You could think of them as doors or windows to the house. Like if you're in a nine and O relationship, Well, it's pretty contained and inclusive. Like once you're in, you're in, and there may not be a lot of going out of that relationship. Whereas if you have, let's say a six and three relationship, there's three different exit points to the relationship. The relationship's probably going to operate that way where each person is coming and going and not always in the same direction or doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, that's a great key to look at. And it points to a bigger theme which we can see in a lot of different aspects of design that has to do with how much natural space is there in any given partnership. Some partnerships, the way the mechanics work, it's natural for the relationship to be kind of tight and consistent for there to be a lot of contact, for there to be a lot of time spent together, even if you don't enjoy it all the time, but there's a certain natural way that the relationship kind of holds itself together. And then There are a few different aspects like what you're mentioning. If there are multiple open centers in the relationship chart, then that tends to point to a relationship that naturally has more space in it. There's more room in it. There are more ways, like you said, to get out of the relationship or to take breaks from it or to have space or to be exploring different things together, not necessarily at the same time. We can also look at definition. So if you're looking at your chart, you'll see there's a feature that says definition and it'll say single, split, triple split, quad split. There are a few different variations there, but that can also show as individuals, when the going gets tough, what's your tendency in terms of relationship? So for single definition people, the tendency is to process within themselves for a single split design individual, there's a tendency there to move toward the relationship in order to work things out. So there are a lot of details here. You may not catch them all, but I wanted to bring up that theme in particular, because you may find that in a specific partnership, one of you has a tendency to kind of process on their own, whereas the other one wants to process together. Or you might find that in certain partnerships with certain people or certain relationships you've had, the relationship felt very tight and thick, like you were always in it together. And then in other relationships, it feels like there's naturally a lot more space. And again, that's a place where we might have some judgment about how it's supposed to be. Like, well, if we really love each other, we should work everything out together. Or if we really love each other and this relationship is good, then we should want to spend most of our time together. Or if we're really a good fit, but we each want to go off fairly frequently and do our own thing then maybe there's something wrong with the relationship and i think if we peel back those expectations and we just look at the mechanics of our own design and the relationship you'll see there are just different natures there so some relationships naturally have more space and that doesn't mean it's not a good relationship and it also doesn't mean that it might not be one that you keep coming back to some relationships we kind of part ways and come back together in a particular kind of frequency. Or like you said, where there are the multiple centers that might be like there are just times when mm-hmm. you actually enjoy spending a few days or a few weeks or a few months apart, and then you come back together. And I think for most of us, we would think, well, that's a problem. <laughs> there must be something wrong, you know, if it would be natural for us to want that kind of space from each other or to have that kind of movement in and out of the relationship, then that might be a problem. But if you look at the design itself, then you might see, oh, this is just, this is what's natural for us. Can we explore that and see, what is it like if we don't choose to see it as a problem? We just let it be what it is and see what happens.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's hard? It is hard. Not only is it hard because we have our own judgments and expectations to deal with, but what other judgments and expectations are we dealing with? yeah everybody around us the people who love us or the people who want good things for us or our families or our close friends they might all have their ideas of what kind of relationship they think you should be having and what and kind of relationship and we should just listen to them and do what they say and then everything to <laughs> work out really well <laughs> okay. i think that's a great i mean it's we're laughing about it but it's a great thing to bring attention to because Again, I think it's another way that we can see, oh, we're all in this together. It's nobody's fault. It's like, here we are. If I'm in relationship with someone and I'm trying to figure out what is this thing about? I love this person, but these certain things really don't work or we get in these certain stuck loops and we can't get out of them or it works sometimes like this, but then it doesn't. Not only am I trying to figure that out with the person I'm in relationship with, but at the same time, I'm dealing with my own mind, all my judgments and expectations, everything I've been taught, and then the friends and family and whoever's around me who has their opinions about whether or not it's good and bad. And I think even in that, to look at your partner and just recognize, wow, this is kind of an uphill battle, <laughs> you know? This, mm-hmm. is, this is a lot to be swimming in and sorting through and really trying to get down to the foundation of. What's the truth of who we are and how we connect? And can we find our way with that? Can we help ourselves to stay focused on that and let it be between us and not necessarily about what everybody else has to say about it? Mm -hmm. That's a huge challenge, but I think a really, really worthwhile one.
1: Very much so. I'd like to touch on a couple other things Mm -hmm. that for anyone out there who have looked at relationship charts in human design and dug into that area a little bit, one of the things you see is there are these different type of channel configurations between the two individuals and how they come together in the partnership chart. There's really four different types of configurations that we can see, and there's one in particular which is really worth some additional discussion, so I wanted to bring that in today. But we have what are called dominance channels, companionship channels, electromagnetic channels, and then compromise channels and I'll quickly go through each just on a very surface or overview level the dominance channel is when one person has the whole channel and the other person doesn't have any part of that channel doesn't have either gate in that channel and that's just an opportunity for the person who doesn't have either gate in that channel to look at the person who has the whole channel and just really learn from it or admire it or appreciate that that's just who this person is and to be able to see it in a way that doesn't feel like there's a competition there or like anything necessarily needs to be done about it. Either you you like it and it works for you or not. And here's the thing I want to say too, is there's really no good or bad in any of this. And so as we're talking about these different channel types and you're listening and thinking, well, that dominant sounds negative, or maybe it sounds good that we have that you know, it, it may or may not be. It's up to whether it works for you and it's correct for you. It, there is no inherently good or bad moralistic statement that we can make on any of this. We can just see these things as describing how the relationship operates. The other type of channel is a companionship channel. And that's where both people have the same channel. And it's Maybe in some ways a little bit like the situation we mentioned earlier where you, you share a center or a couple centers in the body graph. There, it's a type of common ground where you both carry this frequency, part of your life force, and you can just connect on that level or you relate on that level. It's, there's a sense of like, oh, we, we're both like this. There's the situation where we tend to be attracted more to what we have in common with others. Like We get attracted to similarity And oftentimes we get attracted to difference. You know, we get attracted to what we're not quite a bit, maybe even more so. So the companionship is that first situation where there's a similarity there and and we can relate in that way. Now, the electromagnetics, the third category that we're discussing is where each person has one half of the channel. One person has one gate and the other person has the other gate. And together you create that life force, that channel the relationship will begin to express that frequency of that channel, even though the individuals don't have that in their design or in their birth chart. The way electromagnetics are talked about is through attraction and repulsion. So electromagnetics often are the pull that we have to each other, the glue or the stickiness of the relationship. Like this person has what I need. The gate is always looking over to the other side of the channel for the gate that it doesn't have. And then someone shows up in your life and you're like, they have this thing that I need and I've been looking for. It it must be good, right? This This is a good situation. But it's also the situation that you can find yourself stuck in. And that's where it becomes more of this energy of repulsion, as Ra would sometimes describe it where the thing that initially drew you to the person or that pulled you to the person becomes this thing that you struggle with or maybe you feel like you can't get away from.
0: Well, yeah, I would say with an electromagnetic channel, I often feel, especially at first, like you've got one end of something and the other person has the other and it's a draw. But it might also be that you come in contact with somebody who has the other end of a channel for you and it's just, it's not a flavor that you like. You don't like their particular flavor of that end. So you might not be attracted to it there. But when there is attraction through the electromagnetic in a relationship, I think what you're pointing to is that often initially that can feel like a strong pull. It can feel like a strong magnetism. And then what happens over time is that it can sometimes start to feel confining. So it's not necessarily that it feels bad, but it feels limited in the same way that any channel definition that we have is a limitation. It's a specific fixed aspect of the design. So in a relationship chart, the electromagnetics are fixed aspects of the relationship. If you enjoy them and you continue to enjoy them, then that can work great. And then you may also find over time that there are points you hit where you, you're interested in other flavors of that frequency it can start to feel like a limitation. I think the question there is more about, do you still enjoy it? Does it still work for you? Do you still respond to it in a way that feels satisfying? Or do you still feel invited by it to be part of the relationship, however that works for you? But it is a limitation and it can be either a limitation that you enjoy or or not.
1: That's a good way of putting it. What about the last one, compromise?
0: Oh, the last one is everyone's favorite. (laughs) The last one, the compromise channel, is what happens when one person has a full channel and the other person has one gate within that channel. And that's a place where, unlike with the dominance, so when there's dominance and you see your partner has a channel you don't have, and you can just kind of respect and admire them for it, or you can see that it's, it's not your gig, that's their thing, and they're doing it when there's a compromise, you have a part of that frequency, but you don't have the full channel. And what that tends to mean is that that's a place where the person with the full channel compromises the person with half of the channel. And that can set up a dynamic where at first it can feel like an electromagnetic. At first it can feel like an attraction point for the person who's compromised, for the person who has one gate. But over time, you can start to realize the person who has the full channel actually doesn't need me. (laughs) They actually don't need me in this realm and I'm actually not that welcome in it. They're doing their own thing. They have their own fixed life force through this whole channel and I feel like I ought to be a part of it because I have half of it. But I'm not really welcome there because in any of our designs, wherever we have a full channel, that's a closed system. That's a closed area in us. It means that's our zone, that's our realm, that's, that's a place where we have a fixed way of being. What can happen in relationship there is that the person who is compromised can feel like they want to try to have influence in that theme, in the theme of that channel, but they never really can. And if you keep trying, if you keep going to that theme to try to take part and to try to compete with the partner who has the full channel, You'll probably find it becomes a really sore spot. And the compromise channels tend to be places where we see couples get into, you know, those kind of arguments that just loop.
1: Mm-hmm. They just
0: sort of like go around and around. You can never get to the bottom of it. You can never fix it. You can never make it better. And if you've been with someone for a long time, you start to recognize it like, oh God, we're going down this wormhole again. Oh no, we're going to have this argument again often compromises have that kind of feeling to them over time.
1: It's like the sore spot in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you are saying about in how we were discussing the electromagnetics and how the gate wants the other gate at the other end of the channel. If the mind comes in and starts trying to have the whole channel or be the other part of the channel to, ha- to be the gate that it doesn't have, then it's the equivalent of continuing to poke that sore spot in the relationship again and again. And like you're saying, maybe to have a certain amount of influence or to, to be able to do what the other person does or to compete on a certain level. And it sets up these situations that really can be the deal breakers in relationship. If the person keeps going back there, it becomes this question of really awareness, seeing the underlying pattern, seeing the dynamic, and then accepting that this is what it is, Yes. that we're not going to change it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you don't change the underlying mechanics. You can maybe change your relationship to it and say, all right, well, we're not gonna go there or there we're doing it again. Let's do something else. Let's go for a walk or let's uh, connect another way or try something else, have a different experience, but stop poking that same thing because it's not gonna change.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's an area where we can really see where our own stubbornness or our own vanity, or our own expectations really interfere with having peace with each other. (laughs) You know, I can give an example. I have a few different relationships in my life where the person I'm in relationship with, I can use my mother as an example. My mother has the channel 1858, which is the channel of judgment. It goes from the root to the spleen. It's a design of insatiability. So anyone who has this full channel has a very fixed instinct about what to correct and a particular drive and energy to wanna fix it. So these are people who tend to have their own vision of what can be corrected and their own drive to actually do it, to fix it and make it better. I have just gate 18, so I have half of that channel. And in those relationships, before I realized that, I would find that these are people in my life who would often correct the way I was doing something, or I would try to get them to use their energy to fix something the way I saw it should be fixed, the way I saw it could be corrected. And what I've had to learn over time is to accept that people who have that channel are going to have their own instinct of what to correct, and it's different than mine, and I'm probably not going to be able to influence them to get them to use their energy for the things I want to correct.
1: <laughs>
0: if I keep holding on to that expectation of, like, I want to interact with this corrective energy, then I kind of set myself up to keep failing and keep being disappointed in the interaction. Whereas if I just accept, she's got her energy she's got her own sense of judgment and awareness there and she's got her own drive for what she wants to use her energy for that's probably not a place where i'm going to be able to interfere with her or influence her very much so just don't go there don't have that i let go of that expectation i let go of that fight it's like the pick your battles thing like that's not a battle to pick it's i i can't win that one and if i keep trying to I probably find that I keep bringing some experience of damage into the interaction because I'll keep feeling like either I'm inadequate in some way or she's hurting me in some way because she's not giving me what I want or doing it the way I want it to be done. And that just leads to a lot of unnecessary suffering when it's not her fault. It's not her fault that she has this fixed life force in her. She's going to do what she needs to do. That's what she's designed for. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. You can't blame the other person for being themselves, you know, it's like, you can, book.
0: but it doesn't oh, work can. very well. I'm <laughs> well,
1: sure you can, but yeah, yeah it's, but it's maybe not unpleasant. advisable. It's not mm. going to really help uh, yeah. or it's not very really productive. And so thinking of examples, you know, Ra gave that example of the channel of acceptance, a design of an organizational being, which is a 1762. That was the compromise that he had with his wife, apparently. And Raw having the 62, but lacking the 17. And he would talk about it in a humorous way. Like he was always the idiot. Like he could have all this knowledge. He could. Thousands of students around the world. Thousands of students (laughs) doing all this and like literally changing the world. But he's an idiot. You know, at
0: home, he's an idiot. At
1: home, he's in it. Don't go there. But that humor element can be really important. When you start seeing that pattern set up again, or you start seeing that loop established, to change your attitude towards it or change your relationship to it or your perspective. You might be able to inject some humor in it, humor towards yourself or humor t- towards the other. You brought this great metaphor the other day about game theory. And it's like, you know, playing a video game or something and going into a room and seeing that the same algorithm is playing out again and again in this room. And every time you go to the chest and open that box, you know, it's like, this is a thing that happens well, maybe do something different or don't go in that loop again.
0: Or stop expecting it to be different and either accept defeat or don't go in that room. Like I I love the way Ra handled that because he just said he was secure enough with himself and accepting enough of his own nature and his partner's nature to say, I'm not gonna influence her opinion. She's got that channel. She thinks for herself. It's a fixed closed life force energy. I'm never going to be anything but an idiot in relation to that. So I accept in that realm, I'm the idiot. She's always right. So I think to either accept defeat or just to don't go there expecting a different outcome. Don't go into that theme and expect it to play out differently. I love thinking of relationships as a game because then it stops being about is this relationship right or wrong? Is it good or bad? It's more like, this is the game. This is the game of this relationship. These are the features of it. These are the different rooms that exist. These are the different tools that exist in this game. And really, it's not about thinking that you can alter the rules of the game. It's more just to find out, are you creative? And is it still correct enough for you to keep playing it? Or... Are you done with it? You need to play a different game. Doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong or good or bad. It's just what's happening. It just is what it is.
1: Right. And that's maybe what it all comes down to. We kind of started here. It seems like we're kind of finishing here. This place of acceptance of self and other, no blame, Mm -hmm. entering into relationships correctly. What are the other, the practical takeaways from this?
0: Letting go of expectation being willing to see what the similarities and differences are between you and another individual and to not turn that into a source of somebody has to change. In some ways, it's almost like let's assume nobody's going to change yeah. and then just look and see what do we have in common? What goes easily for us? What do we enjoy here? And then where are the pain points, where are those downward spirals where you can either choose to lose one of my favorite relationship therapists used to say, if you're in an argument with your partner and you catch that you're in one of those looping arguments, if you're the first one to realize it, then it's on you to decide to lose. Let the other person win. <laughs> There's no extent of the fight that's going to get you somewhere different. So just let go, let it Let it be what it is. And then to see what you have in common, where are places where you can come together and understand each other easily realize that you have similar nature and enjoy that.
1: And I might add that relationships have (laughs) timestamps that not every relationship can last indefinitely forever until the end of life and not to look at relationships that did not last indefinitely as a failure. Yes. Maybe certain relationships are highly significant in our lives and they last five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a five minute conversation with someone at the grocery store can really change things. Some relationships last years, some last decades, but Mm -hmm. the timeline or the time span should not be a statement or a judgment on the importance, significance or value of that relationship or whether it was successful or not.
0: Yes. We can really think that we have a lot more control over when people come in and out of our lives than we actually do. When you mention this timestamp thing, I think something that human design points to is that there are certain trajectories that we're on and there are certain players that come in and out of our lives for certain amounts of time. We might think we're in control of that, but personally from looking at my own life and a lot of people through design, I think we probably have a lot less control over that than we realize. What we can influence, however, is how much we suffer through the process. So for as long as someone is in our lives, or for how they go, that's where we have an opportunity to really lessen the suffering around it all. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.